Okay, today we're back in the Mayfair office. It's a popular venue recently with um, Pete Ling, but there's a good reason for it because Pete lives in Toronto. So we're, so we're lucky to get you here. So thanks very much for uh, coming all the way to London, Pete. Right, so you're the um, the founder of the Smart Betting Club, formerly the Secret Betting Club. Yeah. Uh, give us a brief overview of what the club offers. So the club, I think the central goal of the club is to help people with their betting. So help people who make smarter decisions with their betting and primarily that's through tips to reviews and analysis. It sounds quite simple, but we go quite in depth with that analysis. So everything from Monte Carlo simulations to you know, betting bank and staking plan analysis and really go quite granular in that to provide more of a financial platform, a you know, financial approach to it. As you might see, if you get stock and shares reports and brokers reports and they go quite you know, detailed into their analysis. And we try and take that point of view and approach betting from that side of things. So, Primarily it's there to help people who may be time poor or skill poor, because most people it's very difficult to beat the bookmaker. So through the use of tipsters and good strategies and services, it is possible, and we'll probably talk about that. So that's the main thrust of what we do, but aligned to that, there are other things that impact people who are punters, that, you know, whether it be you know, disputes with bookmakers, whether it be the psychology of betting, which is a really important part of it. So we try and explore all those facets that link in uh, with the ultimate goal of helping people you know, make a profit from their betting whether it's the first time or whether it's to add on top of additional profits that's that's our goal so we're fairly unique in that you know as a club we're funded by our members not by advertising or outside influencers or outside investment so we can actually be unique in terms of we can criticize people where we feel there needs to be criticism perhaps where other people other outlets might not okay so what was the uh, you said unique and it appears to be unique, I've you know, sort of looked around. So what was the inspiration to start the service in the first place with the club? Well, when I first started, I was with my, my friend at the time, and um, he, he moved aside a few years ago. I took over sole ownership of it. Uh, then the, the, we were just interested in betting. It was at that time, like 2005, and obviously you had the, the growth of the internet age of betting. And we were mid-20s, and we had, well, I suppose that sweet spot, if you look at, I think it's a map, and Gladwell wrote about the likes of Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. They obviously have the skills and the and the, and the you know the technical ability, but they also at the right time in the right place. They were mid twenties. They probably didn't have families. They had, you know, uh, an interest in those areas, and they're able to take advantage of that with personal computer boom. And it's a bit similar with that, really. You see a lot of people like my age and similar who have been investing because around the two thousands it was accessible. Suddenly at the internet boom, obviously. Uh, the taxation was removed and Betfair came along. So there was a lot more, if you like, tipsters and, and things like that at the time. And because we were interested in betting, we'd started to explore and have some success. Um, it just made sense to set up a, a business exploring this world. And I think the inspiration, I've talked about that, this in the past, was we got a mail shot through the post from someone doing something very similar to what we do now, but we read it and it was clear it was just almost advertising or affiliation or they weren't really they were just scratching the surface, they weren't really going in depth and it was, yeah, this service is paying us a chunk of money so we're going to recommend them versus this service is actually quite good. So from that, it made sense to try and set something up online through whereby we could give it a go. And we just don't know at that time whether it's going to sink or swim, but you know, from those small beginnings, we grew the business to where it is now. Okay, so you, you've been running the club since 2006? <clears throat> yeah. And that was a secret betting club. Yeah. And in 2017, you became the Smart Betting Club. Yeah. I mean, how much else has changed apart from the name over the years? Well, in terms of the amount of services and products that we've reviewed, so there's a lot in our back catalogue. And it's not about finding the hot new service all the time. It's often about reporting it back on those guys that have been around for a long time and continually beating the big bookmaker over over a long period of time. Because that is a skill. You know, you can get lucky over a short-term period, but to beat them over a decade or longer, takes a hell of a lot of skill. So there's, there's a lot in terms of 
you know, in terms of those services that we've analysed and report on, there's a big database there. But I feel I say like the evolution of services and betting in general has changed significantly. You know, obviously, Betfair came along, and that's changed things. But even now, you know, the market today from five years ago, there's lots of different issues, whether it be getting on, for example, or the type of bookmakers that are available uh, and options that are available to you. So, we as a service and the tipsters and the punters have all had to evolve how they bet and what they bet upon based on the market and how that has changed. So I'd say that's probably the biggest change. You know, always, you know, who knows where we'll be in five years time? Will we be looking at you know, other exchanges or crypto betting or whatever it might be? And we'll need to adapt to those changes. Yeah, I mean, when I was, when I was getting into racing first, I used to get the two pound one horse letter in a brown envelope through the post. And it was, even though it was good fun, you know, my um, impression of tipsters yeah. was, you know, quite sort of jaded really because it was obviously a big con mm -hmm. but um, recently I found that obviously there were some really good services out there were, yeah. you, were you surprised about the quality of the advice advice that's available and has been available um, I think initially it was yeah we're not so much surprised which is because we were exploring it and I would say it's just been a gradual development of that and I would put that down to like it's so much easier to run a, your own personal website now to run a small business you know even 15 years ago it was more difficult everything from the infrastructure of setting up a website having a designer to do it payment processing having a mailing list marketing it was all a little bit more difficult whereas now it's you know off the shelf you can go and do it within a day and you could have a business and you can be taking money for selling betting advice so I think that's enabled a lot more people that perhaps were put off by the need to run a premium phone line or you know send a a letter through the post or whatever it might be and try and compete in that world so i'm not surprised these days as a there's a growing number of people who see that as a as a genuine way to to you know if they're pro punters they might use it as a way to provide a, a more stable income if you like or to utilize their information that they're betting upon in, in a way to generate more money so yeah not not particularly surprised at the moment Okay, I, w I was at the races recently and I was approached by, apparently he's a right dodge pot, who told me that he's got like 700 people paying him 30 quid a month for his tips on TikTok. Okay. I mean, do you, do you sort of monitor services like that or do they have to approach you? No, it's social, like, social media is, um, you know, it's, it's a mess. You know, I wouldn't really, I don't think we proof or recommend anyone that's just tips on social media. It's a good way to develop a brand and to, to connect with people and to market. But as a way, as a format and a, a platform to actually supply tips and run a service, generally no, there's no transparency. You can manipulate social media uh, quite easily. So yeah, unfortunately there are rogues like that still out there taking advantage. You know, if you look on Twitter, if you look on TikTok, whatever it might be, there's always going to be someone trying to take advantage in an un unregulated industry like this where you don't need any um, experience or any, you know, there's no certificate you can get from it. So much, such and such to say you're a qualified tipster you can you, know, you could go and set up an account tomorrow and sell your tips um, and unfortunately if they're very good at if they're very good at marketing and selling themselves like this guy might well be if you can know who you mean um <laughs> then yeah they can actually capture people and uh, take advantage of them so what you're, you're basically your service is taking a lot of the risk out of trying to sort the wheat from the chaff yeah um so I, i've spoken to a lot of professional punters and they talk about the need to keep evolving to stay ahead of the game yeah how many of the tipsters, you know, you must know some for nearly 15 years or yeah. more. How many of them have stood the test of time and stayed profitable since you started? There's, there's probably about a handful uh, that have stuck around for like the best part of two decades now. Um, and again, they've had to, like I say, they've had to adapt and evolve. So 
they might have, there's one recent tipster I, I know of who's an exceptional tipster and he's had to change the structure of a service. So sometimes you've gone from maybe a charging subscription fee and quoting the best prices because back in 2005, I remember you could get on his odds uh, with firms like Ladbrokes and not get restricted uh, and do quite well. And um, whereas these days that you'd be lucky to, to get a couple of winners with them and, and before your account gets gubbed. Um, so, They've evolved in terms of, for example, his services evolved in terms of how he advises prices, how he settles prices, and sometimes like paper profit, and trying to make it really fair for people. So not quoting the top odds, quoting, quoting the odds at a time with several bookmakers at a time when the market's more liquid. So it's evolved like that in terms of services, especially the good ones that want to know how to stick around to make sure that what they quote is not just theoretical, but practical in terms of what you can obtain if someone's following your service. Yeah, okay, so is there not a danger that the most successful people that you highlight are going to be victims of their own success with too many of your clients all trying to back the same horse at the same time because the bookmakers watch those spikes, don't they? Yeah, and that goes down to understanding the, you know, in terms of the service itself, if they get greedy, there's a couple out there uh, that I know of and we don't really focus too much where they just get greedy and have as many members as they can and they quote the earliest price available, like overnight prices, and you know that like, overnight prices don't stand up. And if you're taking 25 to one and the horse is 12s at come nine in the morning and it starts at six to one, good luck. Good luck keeping your account. Uh, uh, but there are services out there that do that. And there are other services that take on too many members that push down a price. Um, so it becomes a balance between the service and you know, generating an income. They often put membership caps on or they tip later in the morning or in the afternoon at a time when the market can absorb you know, the membership the number of people taking a price. And that's what you'll find, you know, you might get a racing tip, which is top price seven to one with one firm, and then it's 13 to two with a few, and then maybe six to one general. Now, you'll often find tips that might just quote that six to one and settle at that six to one, if assuming it's value. And if you can beat that, well done, but that's a general price. And that's what you find the well-run services are actually not just scraping the best price, but no one really is gonna get. And if you do, you know, if you take seven to one and everyone sees that and those bookmakers know you know, everyone else is six to one, they were top price. It's the type of thing that's going to flag your account. So you have to be mindful of that at all times. Yeah, now I must be the sort of person that subscribes to your services because I'm basically a lazy punter, mm -hmm. following through shrewdies. And those are really, really clever judges, but they can have terrible, terrible losing runs because they're picking value. Mm -hmm. So if you ever had any negative feedback where somebody's been monitored just when they're in the, the worst run ever mm -hmm. and you sort of slated their service when ultimately, I mean, how long a spin do you give them? A long time, a long time, yeah. We wouldn't do that really. We would look at the long term. So yeah, sometimes tips just come to me and we, we go to review them. We say, oh, it's a really bad time to review us because we're having a bad couple of months. I'm like, well, I don't care about two months in isolation. I want to see, I've got two years or I've got five years or I've got 5,000 data points of results that I've proved and I can see. So why am I going to be bothered about 200 in isolation? You know, that's just, that's just mathematics and that's just probability and that's all to be expected. So yeah, it's, it's about the numbers, you know, and our analyst is an actual actuary, he's a financial actuary, he's a trained actuary, and we work together, I work very closely with him. To, you have to tell me what that is. Uh, I think they work in insurance, so they look at risk and insurance. Right. So very good at, you know, crunching big numbers and large data sets and working out, um, you know, what the analysis provides and what their risks actually are. And, a lot more money at stake than uh, in, the, in the betting and tipping world, I think. So um, he's trained and able to help you know, spot flaws in, in data. Maybe I've had tipsters in the past that have an excellent return on investment or profit, but then if you look at their data, you can see it's based on isolated wins, maybe a 200 to one 
winner or 100 to 1 or you know, a, a combo bet, a multiple bet that you know, had a lucky 15 and that's made 80% of their profits and you look at it and you think, well, how sustainable is that? How many 2,000 to 1 shots are they going to actually hit? Um, so it's about getting into the data, exploring that and taking as many data points as you can. Uh, and so, yeah, don't, we never worry too much about two months here or a few hundred bets. I know people like to get hung up on that. I think there's some kind of idea of form. Uh, generally, there isn't. It's just quality. You know, comes to the top over the, over the, over the long term, and people need to view it from that perspective. Okay, can as uh, tips as ever said you don't include this because I mean, what would be the average number of active clients you've got at a certain point? Uh, just short of a thousand. It depends. Right. Yeah. So if you highlight a service, and then all of a sudden a thousand people think, right, we're going to you know that can totally destroy that that person's potential profit uh possibly i generally say they are membership caps and they're not all that, that group of people are going to go and join that service yeah um i always advise people to to follow the services and tips of that uh, work for them their circumstances you know you might have uh you know you might be have a young family you might have work commitments you might have other commitments so you can't take bets at certain times you might not have bookmaker accounts available you might have a whole suite of them so it's a matter of judging the tips and services that suit you so I might find a service that is particularly good for people who like to bet on exchange or are limited by accounts. Uh, and those types of people will go for it. I might find a tennis service and then it's only the people that are really interested in tennis that are going to get involved or uh, who have the accounts available or the bankroll available for it. So generally you don't get one where everyone goes and joins. But yeah, uh, I, but you know, from the service point of view, that's, that's something they welcome. You know, I can, if I send, I never know how many people are going to join. If I send them 100 clients, I don't know if I send them 100 or I send them 10. Um, you know, it's, it's all, it doesn't matter to me. I don't know the number. I'm not interested in that because I have no investment in it. Um, so, you know, I, I generally we don't get a thousand people joining a service and then ruining the value for everyone. <laughs> right, Pete, we talked about the, um, you know, basically what the, what the Smart Betting Club does. Um, how, many, how many times do you think you've, did you think you found the goose that's laid the golden egg, and then they've, you know, be become una unable to sustain that? Uh, it happens occasionally. I can think of one service a few years ago that um, did particularly well. This was around the time of, you know, the break for COVID as well, pre and post that, um, and pre that they did particularly well on horse racing. Developed a whole bunch of models and proved a good profit, and then post that and the return to racing. They, it just fell off a cliff and never recovered. Now, like you never really know why that is. I, mean, we, we, I should pre, uh, preempt that by saying that uh, we didn't. We don't give a, a top rating to services until we see them prove themselves over a period of time. So this is one that had potential, if you like, and we like the look of. But this is why we we do this long term analysis to say, right, well, we need to see evidence of how they continue to perform because we don't have enough data. But yeah, that was a strange one. I, I don't know what happened there, but sometimes with, I guess with models, they kept on saying, oh, there's a flaw in this. We found a, a bug or we found a, a problem, uh, but ultimately it just, it just it flatlined and never, never happened, never really took off again and, and just dissipated, disappeared. Um, and there's another one I can think of that just changed whoever was supplying the tips behind the service. <laughs> so they were doing really well uh, and they were hitting, I don't know, 20% return investment over several years, changed the tipster behind it and then just, Went on, you know, just nosedived and um, just sometimes, yeah, you do need to adapt and, and see, okay, has there been changes and I have to explore and sometimes it's not always obvious, they don't communicate that. So 
privately on my email and I'll pick up the phone and be like, okay, this is strange. You know, this doesn't, this doesn't uh, follow a pattern or what we would expect. You have short-term variants, of course, but you, maybe you see a change in types of, the types of bet, the type and time of bet, the number of bets, and you say, well, we want to see stability. We want to see a method that we can trust. If you're changing your method, that's fine, but we need to reevaluate that based on this new method. So, um, yeah, sometimes it does happen, but not all that often, thankfully. All right, so what sport appears to be the easiest to profit from? At the moment, it's golf. Uh, just because of the place terms, if you if you can bet each way on golf, uh, like we've got the US Open this week, and someone said bet fair pay in the first 12 each way. And I don't know what the field size is, but generally because it's a, a, a major, it's you know much smaller, the most field size is like 140. And then you get some of these where, you, the, some of these majors when they've got like, I don't know, they've got the VJ Singh playing, <laughs> it's like 3,000 to one, you know, so you can cut out half of the field immediately and then you've got the top 10 on a 40 field. And you've got big prices, so I think uh, you don't necessarily need a, an abundance of skill to be to make a profit better on golf. Uh, now, admittedly, if you can follow some good tipsters on golf, you can actually really lock that in and make a good profit. Um, so golf is the best one at the moment, and I know you've had some punters on recently talking about golf. Uh, there are punters that don't talk about that they bet on golf, but you know because they don't know <laughs> they don't want to give away the information but i know they do and it's one of those sports yeah, if i pick up the phone to some some professionals or some people invariably golf will will come up in conversation if not first uh because it's a it's a lucrative sport um to bet on at the moment football is very popular as you might imagine but it's very hard to make a significant edge especially in the you know, single bets and uh, uh, in the top leagues um, so it's, it's a dangle for punters. You know, I had an email from a chap today. Is I want to bet on, I want to bet. You know, he wants to bet on soccer. He was calling. I want to bet on soccer. I want to do high strike rate on soccer. And I was like, well, okay, but I'm not too sure there's that many that exist that's going to suit that, suit your what your preference is. And I said, well, what does it matter if, if you're going to bet on it for fun, that's fine, go for it. But don't come to me if you want to make a profit on it. And if I tell you I don't really think you're going to get anything that's going to suit you on this particular angle then don't expect, you know, you can't just forge something to make a profit, go and bet on the sport maybe you're not as interested in, but it's actually quite lucrative. It really depends on what, what, what you want to do with your betting. Right, talk about your betting. You're not from a, you told me you weren't from, you're not from a, a betting background, a no. family, a bet. So what attracted you to it? Well, I think it goes back to the right time, right place. Um, I've always had a, lo a love of numbers and statistics. I've always been a geek like that. I used to do like uh, cricket games and I would convert letters to numbers and, stupid stuff like that when I was younger and just love numbers I would uh, I would do yeah uh, cricket games and number games and um, I was I had quite a, a, an aptitude for maths I did my my yeah, exams early because I was quite good at maths so things like that um, I think attracted me to it when betting became so much more popular um, and so I just like the idea of I've always been I suppose a bit entrepreneurial and always been interested in doing something a little bit different I didn't really want to be a nine to fiver and do a traditional career and so something like betting appealed to me because I interested in numbers and at that time there was opportunities and there was a lot of things going on and I enjoyed uh, if you like the um, the challenge of of crunching the numbers and finding angles that actually were profitable and then furthermore you know doing smart betting club reviews and trying to find good profitable services and edges uh, that's quite a challenge to me and I, I, I've always enjoyed that kind of thing so I think that's what what attracted to me. But then when I started the Smart Bank Club, I was mid twenties, I had no family, no no ties, no no things so I could really put a lot of energy into it and learn, you know, things inside out. 
I don't know if we'd be able to start it up now. <laughs> okay, well, I, I found out I do a bit of stalking before okay. I do uh, these interviews. Okay. I found an old Twitter account. Yeah. You describe yourself as a professional gambler and a frustrated drummer. <laughs> so, uh, how did the pro punting go? Um, it's it's going well at the moment. Uh, I'm on a little bit of a hiatus at the moment because I'm travelling. So rather than do it bit by bit and piecemeal, I really I thought I'd just could take a break for a few weeks. Um, but the punting is going well. Um, I think over COVID and the lockdown, I really pushed it quite quite a lot. Really developed it and built up on a portfolio, and it was quite good to me at that time. And I think it, it was quite helpful. I was chatting to my wife about this because. There's nowhere to go. I had a young family, like a baby at home. Couldn't go anywhere. Couldn't do anything. Um, and but I could, I could kind of bet, and I could really put a lot of energy into that. Um, so I think now we're coming out of it. I'm reevaluating how much I'm gonna, you know, streamline my portfolio a little bit to just fit in with with, with the lifestyle that I, I want. Um, but yeah, the pro is always gonna be there. I'm always, you know, I'm kind of chomping at the bit because I've done it for a few weeks. I'm I'm, I'm looking at the you know, the US Open this week, I'm thinking, oh, maybe I should, you know, start this week, not next. So, yeah, I think I'll always have the taste for, for placing a bet. Okay, and how many hours a week do you spend me on the drum kit? None, none. <laughs> that that went, um, we were in an apartment block at the time, and even though it was electric kit, uh, the neighbours complained. So, the, the kick drum was too noisy. <laughs> okay, so how heavily is betting a part of your income now in comparison to running the business? So, um, I always advise people to have... Um, a stable income and I think yeah my sort my, my my business it provides me my bread and butter you know it pays the bills and it and it's a good business and it, it continues to be a good business and I, I you know I focus on that the betting yeah that's more like it's nice it's sometimes more than nice you know it helps pay for things it pays for you know, maybe holidays it'll pay for a car it'll pay for things around the house do home improvements it's never money I rely upon it's just really nice helpful actual funds to to, to increase and to, to add to, to the budget, but um, yeah, it's, I think I described it to you as uh, too volatile to be a pro punter, and hats off to people who do that. That's one of my questions. Yeah, right? yes. <laughs> <I know. laughs> but it, it's volatile. You know, it's 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 not um, you know it's not linear, is it? You you could you could at you you could say I made fifty grand this year, but it wasn't you know five grand a month or whatever. It was lost 20 in month one and another 10 in month two and then he made 40 in month three and you're, you're, 20, you're 10 grand up overall in three months uh, but you know how many people are gonna stick that out and 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 you know come the end of February you're chatting to your wife and say I'm 30 grand down you know it's <laughs> the conversations you don't want to have and, and it's too it's too difficult I feel like that additional pressure now so you either need a huge bankroll or you know cojones to to to, to ride the ride the variance wave so yeah um, well done to those people that can actually handle that. I, I yeah, I, I know I can do the betting, and I, I, it doesn't matter. It's not going to impact, you know, if I can pay, the, if I can feed the kids. So. Okay, we said at the beginning you live in Toronto. Yeah. So how logistically difficult is that to operate in a betting operation? Where I assume a lot of your business is in the UK. I mean, you're married man with kids, mm -hmm. and you're sort of betting on a different time zone. So how does that work? Uh, it works, and well, you have to be creative. So when you start to scale up, you have to be creative because you're not going to be able to bet in your name. You're not going to be able to necessarily, you're not going to want to place all the bets. It's sometimes it's not a great return for your hourly wage, if you like, if you work out what, what your hourly wage is to do something. Uh, and you can sometimes pay people to do that. And that's the route I've taken. So yeah, there's a five hour time that we're five hours behind. Um, and I don't bet in anything in play. I don't bet in anything that really needs me to be 
placing a bet at a particular instant. Sometimes it's helpful, but it's not always essential. So I effectively build my portfolio based on services that fit into that. You could go and choose services that require that. And that's not gonna suit me, but it might suit somebody watching this. Um, so yeah, it's just being creative and building a network or a team of people, people that I can pay, pay people to, to do roles where they place bets for me. Maybe when I'm asleep, maybe when, just because I don't wanna uh, waste my time, not waste my time, but spend my time doing that. I know how to do it, but it's more effective if I pay somebody to do that and then it works out in my favor. So um, on that side, it's, it's not too difficult once you can solve that particular, that particular query. Uh, from the business side, not really a problem either uh, because I have people that are based in the UK can help me with you know, questions about um, logistics and memberships and things like that. And then if something that requires my specific expertise, you know, I, can, I can always reply that day. Um, so it works out, works out okay. And um, you know, with sports like golf and, and, and maybe football that I bet on, it's you know, uh, early sport really is racing that starts at like, you know, sometimes in the winter the races might start at midday or just before midday, which is like 7 a.m. just before seven. Um, Boys golf, yeah, you know, the market starts on a Tuesday and you've got Tuesday and Wednesday. Well, the market starts on a Monday, but really you only start to put bets on coming in a Tuesday. Uh, and then you've got a couple of days. So yeah, you know, it doesn't really matter if it's 2 p.m. UK time or 7 p.m. Uh, generally, I'm gonna get the bets I want on, um, regardless of where I am in the world, so. Okay, so you use runners, you said. Yeah. Now, nearly everyone I've ever spoke to that's used runners, they get tucked up by them. So yeah. Have you had a problem? No, no, not so far. Not so far, not, well, uh, sometimes different problems. Sometimes the logistical problems, like, yeah, if they're as reliable or they're not well or, you know, you don't really know what's really going on. You have to trust people. And that comes down to, yeah, getting a sense of people that you can trust them. Because, yeah, you've got guys going in and picking up big sums of money or, or cash from a bookmaker. And you think, crikey, am I going to see that? Am I going to see that? And, and it's only over time when you actually, that the, those funds hit your account, you think, oh, I can trust that person. But then it comes down to looking after them and listening to them. You know, it depends. If you, we had, you know, there was one bet recently, we had one horse that, um, if it had won, it would have been a significant amount of money. And I was saying to the runner, I was like, well, you tell us what significant is. Uh, it was like over, it was 50,000 or something like that. It was a big one, big win, yeah. <laughs> it was worth me flying home for as well to pick up the cash. Um, and um, I remember saying to the runner, well, maybe I'll meet you in Barbados to pick up the cash. But, you know, I just, it's one of those things, um, the horse didn't win, I think it came fourth, but, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a it's an issue on on, on that front, and you always got that in the back of your mind. But uh, but that specific, you know, he, I trust him, trust him a lot because we had a good amount of experience working together, and um, he, and you. But it's always that query in the back of your mind. You know, like I say, you you meet people who use runners, and they always have that experience. So I'm sure I will get the more I do it, and the longer I do it, and perhaps the bigger sums of money that come in, the more I'll get get that kind of issue. What's it like in, can you, I mean, excuse my ignorance, but what's the situation in Canada? Are there betting like bookmakers or is it all, can you get on over there? It, they just opened up. They just legalised um, single sports wagering, uh, I think it was January this year, uh, in Ontario, which is the biggest uh, state in Canada, which is part of Toronto, and it's like, if you like, the powerhouse of Canada. So I imagine the other states will open up, like uh, British Columbia and all these places eventually. Um, but yeah, and you can't, I was thinking this the other day, I got on the train in Toronto and there was adverts for points bet all over the train and then 
you go on the billboards, you can see Bet MGM, and everyone wants, because it's a bit of a gold rush, you know, they want, they've got all these, this audience of people who've never been able to bet, or if they have, they've bet into the grey market, and suddenly, you know, they're all trying to get hold of, of all these customers. Um, so almost like the attention's moved away from UK and, and Europe, and it's gone to places like Ontario. I was at a conference last week, because full of bookmakers and full of people trying to set up and attract interest. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a growing area and I think um, you're gonna hear more and more about betting in North America. Um, no, I'm, assu I'm assuming you don't bet in your own name online. Have you had, just talking about Canada, yeah. have, you had, have you opened accounts over there? Obviously you're under the radar. Yeah, I mean, I have. I have opened accounts over there. I had some accounts already when some of the great operators. There's one that I, I decided, oh, you got some funds in it and immediately sent me an email saying you're restricted. So, oh. yeah. Um, but I knew that was going to happen because I'd, I'd, I'd done my research into, into that. Yeah, so I'm looking to you know, take advantage of that, uh, looking at ways and means to... I mean, the, at the moment, you could open an account and get ridiculous sums of money, actually, bonuses. Well, not the biggest, but... There is casino offers. There's all kinds of different offers that you can take advantage of. I think um, I think it was New Jersey or New York. Again, they've got like, just people just going and take bonus hunting. You know, get a six hundred dollar free bet and stuff like that. So yeah, there's lots of there's lots of wagering opportunities there. Okay, now you told me that you're keen on networking with like-minded <laughs> people. Um, can you tell us about that and maybe some of the people that you've sort of been involved with. Uh, well, networking sounds a bit schmoozy. That's not me uh, per se. I find it more like uh, just connecting with people, building a relationship. So it might be, you know, I obviously do my podcast and I meet people through that uh, and you get to know people a little bit. And sometimes, and not just through that, but through your mutual friends and acquaintances who connect to you. And sometimes it's just that ability to, to learn off others as well. Because I come into contact with some very sharp people, um, some very shrewd betters. And whether it be you know the tips to side of it or people that um, are on the just trying you know just punters that do particularly well, and it's just learning off them and um, sharing information. Sometimes without a particular end goal or a quid pro quo, but sometimes it's um, it can be quite valuable in learning what they do, what their markets are, how, you know some of their experience of bookmakers, ways and means to get on technology. There's different things that you can that certainly by talking to other people have been. Very, very beneficial, you know, to build my, not just my business, but to build my own personal betting, my own personal understanding, and, you know, whether it be advice on issues that you're getting with runners or advice you're getting with issues with bookmakers, that's certainly been a help to, to kind of understand the best way to, to deal with problems that have arisen on on that front. Um, and I'd advise people to, because betting is such a, you know, such a, a lonely game if you're doing it from home. You're doing it, you know, on your own a lot of the time. You're doing it off your mobile, you're doing it from your office. And it doesn't need, to, well, you've not been able to for the last couple of years really to come and meet person face to face. But you know, a lot of the time you are talking with people on WhatsApp or Telegram or email and you just develop that relationship and start to learn. Maybe you know, I've certainly picked up the phone and explained certain things to people I really respect. And so let me tell you about this. I've got this, you'd be interested in this particular topic or thing I can show you or service or something like that. And then, you know, always, Means ways and means that that comes back to you and without expectation, so opportunities, ways to get on that certainly helped uh, as well. Um, so, yeah, I advise people to, to build their world. You know, if you're good at better go and talk to other people because there may be something that you're not aware of and that they can help you on, and vice versa. Um, because, yeah, sometimes people don't put that on in the public domain, but they're happy to have a 
that happens quite a lot. You know, I'm, I'm quite a share of the Smart Betting Club. I don't really keep any secrets to myself. I put it all online. But some of the people I, unless obviously I'm aware to keep something to myself because it's not for publication from somebody that's confided in me. But I do recommend people do that. If they're interested in betting, go and talk to other people, go and, go and get to know them. And because it's sometimes nice as well to just to share the experience of what you're going through, you know, whether it be tough luck or just hard luck stories, or like I say, getting dealing with bookmakers or dealing with other things that, that happen in this world. Any particular associates that you, you work with? Don't have any name. <laughs> well, there's a couple of guys, you know, I got to know a guy actually um, from a podcast, not to probably who you think, but another guy, and uh, he's just been you know, very interesting, very accommodating, helped me with a few things in terms of getting on. And it's probably just a good relationship. Um, so yeah, I can't give you any names, I'm afraid. That's okay. Um, <laughs> Now, do you find, I mean, you've, been, you've got a big database you must have for 15 years worth. Do you find that all tipsters ultimately experience similar losing runs, even the most profitable ones? Yeah, because it comes down to mathematics, probability. If you've got a tipster with a 20% strike rate, you're still going to win one in five. You know, it's still a 20% strike rate. Um, so I think that's something people struggle to get beyond in terms of, well, I pay for tips, so they should perform better. No, they'll continue to perform just as they have done over the long term. Now, he could have a 20% strike rate, but he has a 20% return on investment, and that's the figure you need to focus on. And it's something I try to educate people on, is understanding probability and, and losing runs and sequences. Because I might say a one in five are going to win, but it's not going to be you're going to win on Monday and then lose Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then win the next Monday. It never works out like that. So it's understanding... You know, what kind of sequence can you have with a 20% strike rate? You could have, I don't know, it could be 30. It could be a 1% a chance of that. And that's going to happen 1% of the time. So it's these kind of uh, numbers and statistics that aren't that difficult to, to grasp. There's tables and charts that you can easily see and even put in your strike rate and the odds and it'll tell you the sequences that you might um, suffer. And to give people that, <clears throat> that understanding and expectation of, of what to have we often get people that say oh i joined the service at just the wrong time i'm cursed you know they had a great run and now they're having a bad run it's like well you're trying to time the market it's it's really difficult to do that you just have to what well, i say don't it's not your uh, timing into the market it's your time in it and that's what matters the most it, you know if you're in it for a year two years you're gonna ride that wave and you're gonna enjoy the good and the bad and it's all gonna should you know hit the 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 20% return investment if that's what we're using and that's what you should see long term but if you're going to do it for a month or two months and you're going to get hung up on uh, expectations that it's going to perform better than it has historically that's it's just not it's not the case and it comes down to educating people that's what we try and do as a fundamental part of what we do at the smart betting club the feedback i get from other tipsters is that they like our members because they cut they don't need they're a little bit more educated they understand a little bit more about what to expect and and not the type of people to, to send a, you know, an email after a bad day and tell them what they think of them. I think we see jockeys get that all the time, don't we, and trainers. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, if people can get grasp some of those simple concepts, I think that it, it can have a really uh, big impact on, on, on their betting, learning how to lose, learning what to expect at, at the outset can really help when you get to those periods where you've had a shocking run, you haven't had a winner all month. And you think, oh, I'm being taken for a fool. Well, no, you just you just experiencing the areas of the service. Look at its long-term performance and console yourself. And if you see something that's completely out of the ordinary, maybe get concerned. But most of the time, from those 
recommended services it's just going to follow a pattern up and down up and down and long term you just make sure you're you're up uh, whatever the long-term stats should indicate okay so what's your what would be your ultimate staking what was your preferred staking plan how much should people have in the tank well uh, how, well how many not how much but if per bet how many bets should they allow for well it all depends on the individual how much money have you got you know if you if you if you only got five only got five grand to bet that's a good amount and it, and then it comes down to what so would you have like need to divide that up to 200 bets so your stake is you know divided by 200 or how would you it's service per, service by service so if you get a it depends on the strike rate and the average odds so if you've got a golf service and it might have a a two and a half percent two percent strike rate of winners or a ten percent strike rate of places you're going to need uh, a much bigger bank than if you're following a you know a racing tipster or a football tipster that's playing the asian handicap markets where they've got a 51 52 percent strike rate you're going to need a much bigger bank for the golf than you are for the football um so it really is okay there's no simple answer to it there's no black and white answer it's all you have to take it on that individual basis and that's where our analysis comes in because we can see okay this golf tipster is particularly good and has a really flashy return investment great profits but sometimes you might be better following a, a tipster that's got a, a, a low return investment with churn through bets and they, you need a smaller bank and that's what we call a return on capital because then you can see uh, the actual real life money how it's grown in relation to the size of the bank so yeah you might divide that two thousand pounds by 50 and then you have a certain stake level you can grow that versus dividing two thousand pounds by 200 and you have a much smaller stake level so to actually make a good uh, to build your bank um it, it takes it might not be as well good it might not perform quite as well because the return on investment uh, is not as important as your return on capital how much your bank actually grows and the psychological side of it, should you overcompensate with your with your tank? Because if you are having a losing run, all yeah. of a sudden you did have two grand, now you've only got 900 quid left. The, the math says that in a minute it's going to spin yeah. around, but yeah. you've still only got 900 quid left. So, you know, do you look at the psychological sort of side of things? That's a huge side. With that, we often say uh, people don't like it when they lose more than half their bank. So try, it depends on your risk profile. Right? That, again, goes to psychology. And that's another important thing for people to understand because we all have a different risk profile. You know, do you cross the street at the crossing? How fast do you drive over the speed limit? Things like that, you know, subconsciously or consciously, we all make risk decisions. And some people are much more comfortable taking risks with their finances over their betting than others. So it's really understanding that um, in terms of the individual's approach to risk. And that ties into the psychology because if you're uncomfortable, like if you're betting on a sport, you know, where you have a really low strike rate and you're uncomfortable that you need winners and you just, well, it's not for you. And you, ultimately you're not going to thrive with that approach because it doesn't fit your profile and, and your, your preferences. So it's understanding that is the big psychology part of it. And we have like a risk test and trying to you know, do some information on that to say, well, where do you fit on the risk scale? If you like, you somebody that, you know, is happy to go and charge around and take all kinds of risks. Are you somebody that is very, wants to kind of, you know, like almost if you invest in bonds versus if you invest in invest in emerging markets, uh, you know a good investment portfolio will tailor it to the individual. Again, you know I think I tried to open one with one firm and it made me do this questionnaire before I could do a risky investment in their portfolio. I had to answer the questions in the right order. Ultimately, it let me redo it once because I didn't answer it correctly. Um, 
and I was able to do, but it's that kind of concept because they know that if you, you, you you're chasing the big profits, you, you know, high risk, high reward, low risk, low reward, the same fundamentals of all walks of investment applies to betting. So uh, it, understanding that and as an individual, uh, understanding that with your betting portfolio, it ties into the psychology of it and what suits you, that will probably make the biggest difference because I would say the easiest thing at the moment is finding a profitable edge. And then the harder parts of you know, getting on and then the psychology of betting. And I find that's what the difference between success and failure for any individual actually is. Okay, now, a, a ticking service that doesn't experience bad losing runs would probably have to be a real inside information tipping server where they know that they've got yeah. a bit of an edge. Do those ones exist <laughs> on, on a commercial basis? No, no. And you'd be, you'd be foolish as well. Often those types of services, I imagine, would be asking you to put money on for them. And it wouldn't be a settled strategy. It would be, yeah, it might be uh, out of the blue, you get a call or we're taking a different price today or, we're, you know, we've got a different we've got a different inside information mole or whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, I don't think that exists as a service. Maybe some punters and obviously we have people on your set of interviews who've pulled off big heists and touches and what have you. And uh, They don't tell anybody. They don't tell anybody, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised they even tell their foot baby. <laughs> yeah. Probably don't tell their wives. Do you? Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think there's ever a, I'd be very, very cautious of that. It seems to be like a bit of a dream world. People think that that goes on and they sign up for services, promise that, but yeah, they're just getting taken advantage of most of the time. Okay, Pete, so how many how many free tipsters would you monitor the Smart Betting Club? Uh, we'd monitor a few. Um, there isn't, ultimately with free services, you're a customer in some way. Um, you see on social media, we talked about that earlier, really don't do much in terms of social media free tips. There's, they can create and delete accounts at their own will. Um, they don't often keep professional records. You often pay for what you get as well. So you're either a customer or you're paying for it. Uh, you're paying for a poorer service than you might get if you subscribe to some to a, a paid tipster. Um, so yeah, like for example, Hugh Taylor is a, a very good free tipster and he was a, he's a shrewd judge and he's made a profit long-term but you can't get his odds and if you were to get his odds your account would get marked so it's and there's a lot of people following him in you know he's available for free punters and bookmakers know exactly what he's bet upon um so but Hugh Taylor obviously is employed by out the races so they want the traffic that comes to their website maybe they're going to sign up to bookmaker links maybe they're going to click to join out the races they're going to watch their at the races feed or whatever and then watch their advert so they there's a reason why they're they're doing that sporting life or another they've got some really good free tipsters who own Sporting Life? Well, they're owned by a big bookmaking company, so they want you to go and join their bookmaking firms. Although they have free tipsters that do particularly well, they I think they know that they can either sift through the customers that come, which is absolutely they do, and find weed out the profitable. And they also know that most people won't stick to a strategy. They'll follow a, a free tipster because he's hit a big winner and then stop following him, and then maybe follow him again when he hits a winner in the future and give him a few weeks. So I think they know a lot of the time, a lot of their customers, their, their behavior, and it fits in with them. But a lot of other free tipsters, the social media and all these kind of places, sometimes they're linked in with bookmaker affiliation, which is often loss-based revenue. So why are they sending you off to you know, 
whichever firm it might be, say you get a free tip, go and click this bookmaker link and go and place that bet there. Why are they why are they making a profit on your losses if they're meant to be particularly good? I mean, I have no relationship with bookmakers. Uh, well, I'm here at Star Sports, but I don't have a, an agreement or affiliation with any bookmaker because, well, my members make money and they want punters to lose money. So um, the two worlds, they shouldn't really overlap like that. Um, anyway, I, I like what Dan said. I saw he said something recently. He just wants, why, do, why does he do these interviews? Uh, he just wants maybe punters will watch it, enjoy it, log on, open an account and lose a few bets. And not fair enough, he, he's being transparent. Mm. But you know, you find bookmakers putting out tips or linked to betting websites and putting out profitable tips. But the 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 world's blur, but there is you know, you're either a winner or a loser and bookmakers are making a profit or a loss from you. <laughs> if you're making a profit, they're not particularly interested. People aren't disciplined, that's that's what it is. Yeah. Um so looking at your website, appear to be enough I've got type one, I haven't subscribed, so I don't know what behind, what, you know, what, what, joys, what, what joys there are behind the scenes, but there appear to be enough potential tipsters there to make your head spin. Yeah. Is it literally as simple as picking your top, your top of the chart to sort the week from the chaff? Yeah, in many ways. And again, it goes down to individuals' profile and circumstances, their time available, their bookmaker accounts available, if they're just exchanges only, how much money they've got available, like the type of sports and their risks approach, but they want to uh, low risk, high risk, those kind of things. So from that, you can really filter down into those services that actually will suit you the most. So yeah, it can look like there's a lot of choice, but really when you start to break it down into those different things, you can easily uh, put together a short list of those services that actually will suit you. And then go from there. I, I say to people, you know, everyone, you know, all the biggest problem to start with their very first bet you know everyone starts somewhere and sometimes I get emails and say I've got 10,000 I've never done this before I've got 10,000 pounds I'm gonna like XYZ I'm gonna chuck in five grand into this and this much money to that hey just start small do it one or two at small stakes see if they suit you uh, and if it, this kind of world fits into your what you would expect to get out of it whether it suits you can place the bet so you can handle the the, 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 the ups and downs that you're gonna suffer and then just grow, gradually grow and build it. Don't just rush in and, and you know, try and make significant profits and become a pro punter. Like just gradually do it. And then as you do it and you gradually build and build and build and build confidence and expertise um, and understanding, you will be able to get there. Um, so yeah, my fear is to make your mistakes at small stakes. So rather than, than rush in. So. So it sounds like you'd recommend the educational part of your website before anybody gets involved in actually betting. Well, yeah, start betting, but just read all of that and get a, get a feel for what sports you like, what type of approach you like, um, you know, in the day of the week you like. Do you like to bet every day? Do you like to bet only a couple of days a week? Do you like to bet a lot of bets? Because the more bets you can place, like I, I do a lot of volume betting. So if I can do it, like, the more bets I can place, the better. Because I know, like, if I charge through volume, I can build bank growth, and it will smooth out the ride. Uh, but some people, that's because I've got the time available to do that, or the resources available. Some people don't have that, um, so it's really just fitting in with, with with what suits them. And it depends on whether you want to bet for fun or you want to bet to make a profit. Because the two things are often a bit separate. You know, if you're interested in betting for fun, there's all kinds of places and bookmakers that will avail you of that. But if you want to bet seriously, then yeah, read the educational material and build up slowly and, and build up methodically and get a bit of a business plan if you like. Um, so.
Okay, you mentioned before you pay for what you get. <clears throat> is that right? When it comes, you know, if somebody's That's charging right. a grand a month or something, but I'm assuming they don't. But, no. <laughs> but, but, but you know, is that so? Can somebody even just go for the most expensive and think that's the best? It's well, it's it, yeah. I mean, that's something we look at the value, the price of a particular tip, tipster. It, it, sometimes someone might come in with a good service and be charging premium prices, and we'll mark them down because they actually perform worse than much cheaper services. So I have that, sometimes I have that difficult conversation and they say, well, why have you only given us this particular rating? We'll say, well, you're not actually as good as you think you are and you're more expensive than many other people. So the price of a service is, is important. You have to be able to make a profit with a reasonable size bank over and above that with an average profit over a normal year to make that worthwhile. So yeah, if someone's charging significant outlandish sums, they better be good. But generally, yeah, generally you don't get much more than, you know, let's say £97 a month. And often they'll do tiered prices if you join for longer. And those guys might be because they are particularly profitable and they can charge that price. Or they've got a, a limited membership number to protect the prices. So there's always some kind of reason, but cost is a really important factor. Okay, do you have to pull it up to monitor them or do they let you, do they let you monitor it for nothing? Or, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean... Back when we started, it was a case of just joining and building up the reputation. They think, oh, you just want a freebie. And they get a lot of freebie hunters, uh, these services. Oh, I just want a trial. So nowadays, no, I can say, well, look, we're not interested in just a trial. I can show you our reviews. I can explain on the phone. I can give you all the information that you need. Most of the time, people come and they've, if they've not heard of us, once they've read the information, they, they're kind of satisfied that we're not just kind of taking advantage and <laughs> trying to get a freebie. I was like, I'm not going to follow you. Don't worry. I'm... I don't know if you're any good yet. You know, yeah. once you are, once I know you are good, I might have that conversation and say, "How can I join?" or "What can I do?" Um, but I'm not just going to follow somebody because he says he's good and comes off the street, even if he is charged hundred quid a month. It's a good way of sorting out the dodge pots because everyone wanted you to do it anyway, wouldn't they? Yeah, well, you don't. You, you do find yeah, people are a little bit resistant, and what what they got to hide? Because we don't really do reviews of bad services and but scams because often it's there's no real upside to it. Yeah. You tell someone it's a scam, that's it. But you tell someone it's a good service, that might be something that you can track for a, for a long time and be really useful. Um, but yeah, like it's a good warning sign of somebody, yeah, can't ha at least you know have an email conversation or is willing to read a document that you might send. Okay, now this is the final question, but it, it is the, it's the money shot, this one. Okay, here we go. So, I mean, from what you've seen over the years, is it possible or would it be possible to become a professional gambler, which everybody wants to be, Betting purely on the information you can buy from the best tipsters highlighted by your smart betting club? Yeah, the answer is yes. I know of people who do that. Um, like, I wouldn't do it myself because if we talked about it, it's too volatile. And um, uh, But yeah, absolutely it is. I know of people who've left jobs based, you know, done quite well with their betting and given up whatever job they were doing. I'm speaking to a few people about that recently. Um, yeah, and there is, uh, it's a very niche audience, but there is, you know, uh, a growing number of obviously growing there's a number of people that actually do quite well and make a profit you know we are just a drop in the ocean of the amount of people that bet um so not really you know impacting the profit levels of some of these big bookmakers so there's lots of opportunities and, and ways to get going and make a, a long-term profit and some people do take that jump and give up you know give up what they trained for or what their career might be to to, to do this um, I always advocate people to have a side income of some kind. I think that's really valuable. You'll see a lot of professional punters do have 
a side income. Maybe they become a bookmaker, you know, over a few recently, or maybe they consult, or maybe they do something completely different. They open a coffee shop, or whatever it might be. It's always good to have that taxable income. The taxman likes to see it. Uh, you know, when you start to, I don't know, apply for mortgages, when you start to have loans, and if uh, dealing with bank accounts, if you've got general regular income coming in, it's always good to have as a as a punter uh, versus. Yeah, just having the irregular sums of money coming in from, from, from your betting. So um, that's for people when they get further ahead. But uh, if someone's watching and interested, then yeah, you can get started. Take a long-term approach to it. And you know, if, you, if you do it right and do it professionally and follow the right advice, it, it can actually, yeah, some people have been able to, to become a professional or to just bet for a living. Okay, then that's a whole new, that opens up a whole new lot of things. So then can they ring up and say, Pete, look, you know, can you give me a bit of advice about getting on? Can you, can you get your, you know, can you give me advice about that? Is that, is that sort of service offered to people that really want to take it that seriously? Well, I do, yeah, I, I don't generally publish that kind of information because it's all very much individual and, yeah, it, it depends on their circumstances. But I do regularly get emails from people and I give them advice and I talk about using runners or talk about, how to scale up or how to yeah, deal with. We've done some stuff on bookmaker disputes and that's another issue uh, at the moment. It's worth highlighting because I've done some work on it. Uh, and it's, you know, as a punter, uh, when you get to a certain scale, it becomes a big issue. Look, the, the winning is the easy part. You're getting your bets on is one part, which is difficult, and the other one is getting paid. So they're all things that I do try and help people. And I've had people help me and I try to learn on um, how to navigate these problems when you start to bet to scale that's either that's something that you expect it's part of the game you're going to have these issues no one expects bookmakers to just roll over and take your money and pay out and you know just provide you a living you have to get some arms race at times or it's just a game where you've got to make sure you can get your bets on and get paid uh, and win so they're the type of things that yeah when you get to a certain level you, you do have to count it but whether it be stuff like that or whether it be more entry level things uh, all the time people email me and i I try and give them whatever advice I can give them, uh, point them in the right direction. Yeah, no okay, so Smart Betting Club's it for the foreseeable, or have you got some of those on the horizon? No, I keep doing the Smart Betting Club. There's lots of more uh, really good tips and strategies that are coming out. We see more and more these days, which uh, uh, interface is very customizable and unique, so it's not so much they supply tips to you, like here's a back this horse in this race at this end at 10 o'clock or it's like you log in and use the tool or a service or a strategy that updates and you work out what's available to you based on your accounts and what you like to bet on. So you see more and more of that kind of thing. Um, so that's really good because you asked earlier, but everyone's trying to get on the same horse at the same time and creates that particular issue. But if if everyone's able to find different value in different markets through, through advanced tools and techniques, then then that's a way around that. And you can customize it to say you've only got four bookmaker accounts. You can use those versus having to try and find a price with a bookmaker you don't have uh, available to you because the tips just put it forward. So there's a lot of services like that at the moment. So I think my focus really is trying to get as much quality content in terms of these tipsters and services and strategies that I know exist and to put them to people and showcase them. It's a fair bit of work to do each review because we don't shortcut them because if you do some shortcuts, you might miss something. So yeah, that's, that's the plan to continue to build and supply uh, as much to, to investigate some of these really good services. Okay, and the, the website is? smartbettingclub.com. Brilliant, well, Pete Lee, thank you very much. Thank you.